Put and turn to Mark chapter 2. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the town. Soon the house was where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. They couldn't get to Jesus. Excuse me. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there said to themselves, What? Is this not blasphemy? Who but God can forgive sin? Jesus knew what they were discussing among themselves, so he said to them, Why do you think this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins be forgiven, or get up, pick up your mat, and walk? I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, go home, because you are healed. You know, when we look at this passage, <clears throat> I want us to understand that there are some things that God gets excited about. And one of the, or three of the things, and I probably, if I didn't do any better in early service than this one, I won't get to all of them. But I want you to see as it unfolds that there are some things that God gets excited about. But you know what? There's some things that you get excited about too. Now, we had a crowd come back from St. Andrews in Panama City, and they're excited because they caught a lot of fish. In a two weeks or so, I get to go down to Panama, not Panama, but Keaton Beach below Perry, Florida, and if I catch a lot of fish, I'll be excited too. But, you know, some of us ought to get excited because we're going to heaven when we die. If you're a believer and you don't get excited because you're going to heaven, there's something wrong with you. There's, I think we need to get excited because God loves us unconditionally. As rotten as we are sometimes, it's neat to know that Jesus still loves us. Amen? I'll be honest with you, a romantic weekend with my wife and a getaway, I get excited about that and where we get to go off together. Spending time with my boys, and some of you spending time with your boys and girls or just your girls, it ought to be exciting that you get that opportunity. To me, breaking 90 on a golf course rather than breaking my club over a tree is really exciting. <clears throat> you know, someone asked me one time, said, well, you play golf? I said, I sure do. He said, what do you shoot? I said, I shoot in the 90s. And when it gets hotter than that, I don't even want to play. But some of you like hot oatmeal nut raisin cookies, and you get excited about that. And that's a cool thing. Around here, anytime Georgia wins, you get excited. That's a gimme. I watched the Braves play the other night. Golly, they went all the way to midnight almost and finally and pulled it out. And I know there are a lot of people who are excited. Anytime Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU loses, y'all are super excited around here. I'm the brunt end of that joke and stick. <laughs> but I want you to understand that when Jesus 
shares this passage with us, and God gets excited in this. God gets excited not because a superstar got saved or healed. God got excited because a crippled man got excited, got healed, received salvation. You see, it's not always the superstars that arouse us and excites heaven. It's us normal guys. For you, some of you, you Georgia guys. For me, Tennessee. Some of you, Alabama. And all along down the line. But what we see is this crippled man, most likely his arms hung on his side like Christmas tree ornaments on a tree. His legs were as limp as spaghetti. And if he was ever going to get into the presence of Jesus, it was because somebody saw to it that he got there. It always normally takes more than one individual in our lives uh, to get saved. I've noticed that a lot of times it's the praying mamas. You know, they pray or or a wife prays for her husband or you praying for your your son or your daughters or your grandkids. There's a lot of people that gets involved in, in, and I believe with all my heart. But when we come to understanding why it was that God gets excited, I want you to see, first of all, God got excited this day because he was able to see their faith. It's one thing for you and I to say we have faith. But James tells us it's another thing for not just to have faith, but to show that faith in real life, real time, through our lives. Let me ask you a question. You say you have faith in Jesus, but how are you showing that faith? How is that faith being revealed to a lost and dying world through you. Let's suppose you were the only one left on the face of the earth and you were Adam. How would God be able to show or, or you show your faith through you? I heard an interesting kind of point the other day. Matter of fact, I like this you know, new chair. I, I was listening the other day and, and this man said this. I, this is the neatest thing. I never thought about it. Do you know that Adam never was tempted in the way that he was tempted by Satan until he got married. Prove me wrong. Satan didn't do anything to try to trip Adam. And Adam spent some time. I mean, have you ever sat down and tried to give all the names to the animal kingdom? It'll take you a while. So Adam had spent some time after he was made without Eve, but it wasn't until he got married. Now, that is my April, no, May 10th sermon, and we'll talk about that. Let's look at how these guys showed forth their faith. Right in the middle of a Bible revival, Jesus was preaching the Bible. The house was full, outside was full, and nobody could get near Jesus. But these four guys, because of some things, got him there. I think one of the things that got him there was the compassion of those four men. Now, compassion, by the way, in your bulletin, you'll see, what's a core value? It's one of ours. The core value of top core value, one of them of our church is to do for people that cannot help themselves, but yet you're willing to help them. It's to have an urge to help and a a deeper, deep tenderness to help people in need that can't help themselves. 
Some people say, well, why do you, Mike, why do you go to Mexico all those years? Why you, why you been going to Honduras? Why in March 16th through the 23rd in 2016 do you want to go to Nicaragua? Did I pronounce that right? My daughter-in-law, the school teacher, she corrects me every once in a while. I have called it some weird names. I think that within me, the best thing I can tell you is, is because I want to help people that can't pay me back. I want to do for others that, if I even expected it, I wasn't going to get it. I like to help individuals that, that are in need, have been praying about a need, and, and you just go meet the need. I think that's cool. Now, some of you come in here not realizing that you've got needs, but you do. There are a lot of you here that are crippled in other ways. You see, this, this paralegic, he wasn't just crippled in spiritual condition when Jesus forgave his sins. He had a physical condition. And some of you have spiritual conditions today and physical conditions that you're dealing with. Some of you walked in here and, and as an addict, and, and you're dealing with it, and God's helping you, but it ain't easy. I mean, it's a physical sometimes, and, a, and it affects us a mental and spiritual. Some of you have had marriages that have failed, and you're trying to raise as a single parent kids, that, and it's not easy. And, and oftentimes you feel trapped, and, and oftentimes you're handicapped, either by finances or, or lack of support. And, and it builds in where you and I have conditions of loneliness and bitterness and anger. These men were driven by compassion, but they were also driven by cooperation. They worked as a team. Do you realize how difficult it is to carry one man with just three of you? It took four to hold the corners. They did it team in a team effort way. And let me tell you something. If the church is ever going to do what they ought to do, they got to do it as a team. You can't do it just by yourself. While it's true, you may not get in an argument with yourself except me. I, I argue with myself all the time. And I always lose. I never win. And I'm arguing with myself. You'd think I'd let myself win every once in a while. I don't understand. But let me just quickly be honest with you that the greatest hindrance today of people coming to Christ are not atheists or agnostics. The greatest obstacle to people coming to Christ is the cold, callous, carnal, critical church members. Religious people that think they know everything. Who does this man think he is? Forgiven sins. Only God can do that. Dummies didn't even realize God was standing right in front of them. And I'm wondering how many of us would if he showed up. They were also creative. They found a way to get this man to Jesus. The Bible says... And, and back then, they, the way they made their rules, they took branches and mixed it with mud, and they formed a, a lattice-type roof. And uh, what they, these guys did, they provided this man, whoever's house it was, with a free sunroof. They dug his hole, and then they, they let Jesus down. I mean, let this, this cripple down right in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't criticize him. He started doing what well, they. He, he realized, good night. These guys are created. 
Have you ever been a part of a church that just seemed like you could, you knew exactly what they were going to do from Sunday to Sunday for the last 50 years? They were about as creative, uh, and you just, you could call it. You know, I'm just a firm believer that God is expecting us to be creative. I ask, because I went to something, Jason and I got talking about some time ago, this chair does feel good. And uh, y'all need to buy me one. But anyway, uh, I said, you know what we need to have? We need to have a recreation Sunday. Now, I've already shared this with you. And what what weekend is it going to be? April what? Boy, y'all really informed. You really listened that day to me, didn't you? April the 26th, we're going to feature... Those that are in the rec league, and we're bringing them here on Sunday morning, and guess what? I'm going to teach you how you're supposed to act. It's called smile, because some of you ain't told your face, you ain't smiling. It's shake your hand, it's good to have you today, we're so glad you're here. Here, you can have my seat. You ain't have my seat. See, you, you fall in that religious crowd in there. Remember I said the callous, the cold, and the critic. How are we ever going to reach out to people if we don't want to be friendly, creative, and let them know that we care? Hello? I can see we got another sermon to be preached next Sunday on this. Well, the second thing that I want to share with you is God gets excited when he shares his forgiveness. Look at it, would you? Jesus, in Matthew, Mark 2, 5, he points out to the cripple and he says, I'm going to forgive your sin. Now, some of us think that, you know what, our issues is not sin, but your issue is sin. It was sin every, all the way back to Genesis 3. Why do you think people die? Why do you think people that get drunk and run over and kill people. Why do you think babies die? Why do you think all this? Look, I'm not saying the babies sin. I'm saying babies die because sin came into the world through the Adamic lineage. Look, I lost two babies, and they didn't have an opportunity to sin. Oh, they would have if they'd have grown up, I guarantee you. Two girls that are Franklins, I know they'd have found some way to sin. And no problem. But you see, Jesus dealt with the main problem. It was a sin problem. It wasn't, the man thought, you know, all I needed is to be healed. Some of you here right today, all I need is 50 bucks and I'll be all right. No! You need to deal with your sin. Because Jesus said to this man, who couldn't even walk, move, had to be carried to him, your sins need to be forgiven first. Then, and he did. He forgave him. You know, some of you like to hear Benny, Benny Hinn, and that's fine. And if I was laying dead, and he could lay hands on me, and I'd come back, that'd be cool. But I just want you to know, I'd have to die again. Because the Bible says, I ain't getting to heaven. Could you imagine how bad that would be? You stand there before all the loved ones in Jesus, and somebody pulled and prayed, and you came back. I'd be mad. 
I like to listen. I when he used to preach all the time, Billy Graham, because he preached on something only God could do. And that's to forgive sin. God gets excited to be able to do that. He, from the very foundation in the beginning of the world, sent Jesus to the cross, not because he wanted to see his son suffer or die, but because he enjoys forgiving your sin. Now, that doesn't mean go out and sin more. Romans 7, God forbid. So you get more grace. But he knows and he loves you. And he cares about you. You see, when we look at today, we realize that what Jesus did on the cross was a wonderful gift to you and I. Well, let me go to the third thing. I'm actually going to get the third point. God got excited not only when he saw faith in action and when they sh- he was able to share forgiveness, but when he shows his faithfulness. How was Jesus faithful? Well, I believe he showed forth his faithfulness because he showed them that he was the Son of God. He showed them that he did have the power of acceptance and permission from the Father's throne. You see, some of us, you're sitting there, and, you, and, and I've, I've been preaching for years. You need to serve God now. I mean, you're saved. What's wrong? Why don't you do something for Jesus? You let that grow right off your back like a duck, water off of a duck's back, and you go on out of here, and nothing ever takes place. The lady that just came up here to sing, she's got Parkinson's disease, and her father's in, I mean, her husband is in Riverside nursing home. Now, I know most of you in here use that as an excuse. Why not serve? Why not sing? She don't. She did. I guarantee you, there's some of you right now using all kind of weird excuses why you don't go to church or why you don't want to go to church. You come up with this theological uh, equation. Well, th- th- I just don't have to go to serve Jesus because of this. I got news for you, friend. I don't care what kind of equation you've hit. It's wrong if it doesn't involve Jesus and his body. I think if you and I are going to respond like these four men responded in the word of God, we're going to have to respond as a helper. We need to be bringing our friends to Jesus. We need to be represented in our creativity and compassion and confidence and be committed. But too many of us, we fall in the area of being helpless. We, I'm a victim. Bless God, the reason I am the way I am, and I can't serve God because I'm just a victim of my circumstances. Give me a break. Get over your pity party. What do you mean you're a victim? This dude was a cripple. The best example I know to give you of a man who stood on this stage, and I was excited to hear him speak. His name was David Ring. David Ring has cerebral palsy. When I was in Bible college, I got one of them, one of them pity parties that some of y'all get on my fourth year of college. I almost quit. Last two months away, and here I am about to quit. I got, and I did. I, I, I said, bless God, this is hard, man. Them people are mean out in that church. I didn't know people, I didn't know serving the church involved being critical. And being criticized. 
and, and, and going to, and every time I turn around, I'm in the middle of something. I'm getting tired of this, God. I just think I'll just hang it up. Well, David Ring came to the chapel that day. And I said, if I ever were able to get him to come to speak at the church, I would, and I did. took me 20 years, but I did. He preached with cerebral palsy. He not only got his bachelor's degree, he not only got his earned master's degree, I think he got a Ph.D. D. Earned. Now, I'm not talking about one you can buy through the mail. I'm talking about earned it the old-fashioned way. Study. Cerebral. I'm saying that right? See, cerebral palsy. You can't, if you went out to eat with him, you'd have to watch him because he can't control his hands. And if when he cut his steak, he's liable to sling it, slap across the restaurant. But he didn't use that as an excuse. What excuse are you using? Why is it that you don't serve Jesus? I remember some in, when Jesus was talking about where the three excuses of one said, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. What idiot buys land and go see it? I've only done it one time. But it wasn't swamp land. Well, I buried a wife. and well, that's probably a good excuse, but it ain't going to work here. And I can't remember the other one. My mind just went blank. How many of you using excuses? why you can't serve. The story is told about after a storm. This storm hit the beach hard and heavy. Starfish were on the beach everywhere. Thousands of them were on the beach. And this one man out there was picking them up one at a time and throwing them in the ocean. Another man saw him do that. He went up to him. He said, have you lost your mind? He said, what you talking about? He said, what makes you think you're going to do anything and make a dent in all these starfish that are going to rot and dry in the sun, but yet you think you're going to make an impact? All of a sudden, he stooped down and picked up one of the starfish, and he threw it back into the ocean. He said, it will make a difference to this one. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Even though I try to go and not do a lot of different things, the ones that really make a difference are the ones that you and I share Jesus with, whether it's our family, our friends, through the rec league. Three people have already been saved through the rec league. Let me tell you something. That may only be just a small drop in a big population, but to those three, when they die, it's going to mean something. I tell you, if I was here and I knew I wasn't saved, and the death that I've seen take place here lately, I wouldn't play with that. Now, I'm quite confident that just because somebody dies doesn't mean that you can readily get saved. The Holy Spirit has to reveal to you that you're lost or that you need to repent or that there's some sin in your life that you need. And, and the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll do that. And that's your invitation right then, man. You get it right. You got a sin in your life? Holy Spirit reveals it? Get it right. If you're not saved, you haven't been born again, Jesus is not in your heart, Holy Spirit reveals that you're lost, that is your invitation right then to be saved. It may not seem a lot 
in such a big sea of population of people. But when you die, it'll be significantly important. You'll be glad that you received Jesus. With your heads bowed and your